welcome to The Mother Whelm. This is a podcast for mothers and parents to safely share the challenges and triumphs of motherhood, shed light on taboos, and celebrate everyday victories. I'm your host, Bronwyn, and I'm here to talk to you about all things motherhood, the miraculous parts and the overwhelming parts, the ones that make you wonder how you got here, and those that make you realise you're exactly where you should be. This podcast is produced on Darug and Gundungara country, land that has been the home of mothering and storytelling for tens of thousands of years. We acknowledge and pay our respects to the Darug and Gundungara elders, past, present and emerging as the traditional custodians of this land. In today's episode, I'm joined by Amy, who generously shares the challenges she faced as a first-time mum, the emotional fortitude she discovers through the birth of her son, and her beautiful personal philosophy about the importance of being with family in the limited time we have. Let's begin. Thank you so much for joining me today, Amy. Can you start us off by telling us who is in your family? Yeah, sure. So my family, there is my husband, Clay. Uh, We've been together for, I think it's almost 14 years now, Um, in February. Yeah. Yeah, married for four. Um, and then we've got Callum, who just turned two recently, and our puppy, Bernie. (laughs) Beautiful. I love it when people include their pets. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's very much a part of the family, so much so that I got a tattoo of him recently. (laughs) Awesome. That's so cool. (laughs) Um, How did you and Clay meet? Uh, we met at a club called Purple Sneakers. I don't know if you were familiar with that. I never went, but I definitely heard of it, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so, but um, long story short, one of my uh, friends from high school, her younger sister used to date one of his friends and then some of the group intertwined and then eventually I met Clay through that group of friends. Oh, that's cool. And then, yeah, I instantly knew. I instantly knew I needed (laughs) to be with him. (laughs) (laughs) What was it about him? I just, I don't know. We just sort of connected. Yeah. I just, I can't, yeah, I just can't explain. It was just like I knew. Yeah. And what were you like before you became a mother? Um, very social, like to go out, have a few drinks uh, with friends, with Clay, you know, go out for food. Um, yeah, just, I guess, would enjoy time. Yeah. Time, time that you may not necessarily have now. Yeah. What were your expectations of motherhood before you became a mother? Uh, find this like yeah this is a really interesting question because you so often see that perfect mother stereotype Mm -hmm. that you've got to do it all um what my expectations of motherhood were though like I, I kind of I think I'm aware enough that that's not always the case and I've got friends who have been mums for quite a while now so I definitely know that that's not always the case that the perfect mother thing doesn't exist so I try to go in with with that in mind. Yeah. Um, not having expectations, I think, has helped a little bit. Mm-hmm. Did you always want to be a mum? Not always, no. So how did no, that decision um, come about? I think for a long time I just mentally, I definitely wasn't ready when I was, yeah, I guess when I was younger I just thought, oh, I'm, I'm just too selfish for this, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I want to, you know, go out and do my own thing and, um you know, barely responsible for myself, let alone another person. <laughs> but yeah. you know, I guess as you get older and time goes on, um, you start to get, you know, oh actually might actually be quite nice to to have a baby, to to have a child. Yeah. And when you started thinking about that, did you kind of envision yourself as being a certain type of mother? Like how did you think of yourself in that sphere? Yeah, again, I guess because I've had so many friends that have kids, it's I, I don't I didn't really want to put myself into, oh, I'm going to be this type of mother. Yeah. You know, I'm not, um, you know, in the super crunchy world, but I'm also not in the um, whatever the opposite of the Yeah, I was going to ask, what is the opposite of crunchy <laughs> I, world? I actually don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm somewhere in between. Yeah. Um, you know, I like to take a bit of, you know, bits and pieces from here and there. I think what, you know, like bed sharing, things like that. So, like, when it when it suits us, but at time, it's, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, so we try and get him to sleep in his cot or um, baby led weaning. Yeah, but we were very, yeah, like he re- we were like, oh, let's try some 
puree foods, but he was not into that. So <laughs> yep. I think I think my style of parenting actually the, the thought has formed. My style of parenting is more like led by Callum. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that works best. What does he like, want? What does he need? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Follow their lead, I think. Yeah. Because you, you quickly I mean once you have, when you have more, you quickly realize like there's not one style that suits every single child. Yeah. You have to kind of be a different parent for a different, I think, or not even be a different parent, but just like, yeah, different approaches. Like Evie, she's just started solids and she, there's, she's not impressed with purees at all. She's, <laughs> she's not interested. Yeah. She's not a baby in her mind. She thinks she's a, a grown up lady. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> give me that big piece of meat please yeah, basically <laughs> Callum was like give me that lamb chop <laughs> yeah so did you get any advice from like so you had friends who were mothers before you had Callum did you get any helpful yeah. or non-helpful advice from them like what what kind of do they give you any warnings I would say yeah it's like a mixed bag right like yeah um of the stuff that is helpful and not so helpful um some of the non-helpful stuff I guess may more be around like the birth and things like that but Mm -hmm. um the helpful stuff is more I think it's just been friends that have just been there for me yeah so it's not necessarily advice but it's knowing that I've got that friendship with them where and it's and it works both ways where we can go to each other and go hey like this is happening you know what do you think like sometimes it's just that soundboard um sometimes it is a little bit of oh you know we tried this but you know it might not work for you like so sometimes it's how they frame yeah the advice they give you yeah definitely and what was your journey to motherhood like so how was your pregnancy and the kind of discussion with clay about when to start trying or however that went for you well yeah not long after we're married I guess you could say weren't very careful but (laughs) it got to kind of like lockdown the first lockdown in March 2020 and I was like you know what I think you know maybe we should start trying yeah it might have been like not long after that and then yeah I guess it took a bit of time for us to conceive Callum not so long that it would have been considered a problem medically Mm -hmm. but also like for me you know that you know month after month after month when you get your period it just sort of you know it really devastates you each month going you know I swear we're doing everything right. You know, we're mm. tracking ovulation. We're doing the little, it was your friend who mentioned the smiley ovulation kits. Yeah. I was like, oh gosh, yep. Triggered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember those. Yeah. We used to call it the Tamagotchi. <laughs> um, the Tamagotchi's hungry. <laughs> yeah. Doing all that sort of stuff. And then eventually I'd gone to the doctor. I think it was maybe about 11 months worth of trying, probably longer if you'd count like, you know, not really trying, but whatever yeah so she's like all right well let's do a ultrasound to see if you know you've got PCOS or um you know we'll start we'll start with that um and that must have been I must have only just sort of conceived Callum at this point mm-hmm. um they didn't find him obviously it was just at that literally would have been around that time and then a couple of weeks later I remember we were going to look at booking a trip away at the Hunter Valley mm-hmm. uh, without and taking Bernie. We found this really cool place that, you know, lets you take your dog and your dog can come out for the day with you on the bus and stuff. And I was like, oh, Clay, like how cool is this sound? And he mm-hmm. goes, oh, well, we've been trying. Maybe you should like do a test. And I was like, please, as if it's going to be positive. Like we've been down this, you know, mm-hmm. we've had um, times where we thought we were and I was like, fine, I'll do a test. And then it was like super faint and I was like, oh my god (laughs) and then he was like nah that's broken (laughs) that's that's not right so I was like oh I'm going back to the doctors tomorrow to get the results for the other ultrasound you know I'll mention it to her and then you know I did another test at the doctors and she was like yep no you're definitely pregnant (laughs) and I was like oh amazing yeah so that's yeah that's how we came to that point becoming pregnant and then yeah I found pregnancy interesting especially um from the point of someone who is um I guess on the BMI scale obese for lack of a better word I don't really like that word but yeah that's what they would you know yeah dance around so it would be you know the hospital saying things like you know if you put on I think it was over 10 kilos you'll automatically have to go to the hospital other hospital that's more equipped for high risk birth mm. or um 
you know, because you've because you're of your weight and because there is a family history of type two diabetes, we must, you know, you've got to do two tests mm-hmm. for the GTT, yeah. whatever it's called, things like that. This is despite having like, you know, already told telling them, you know, I've got a, a, a history of like eating disorders and things like that. So weight can be a little bit of a not great talking point. And it's something yeah. that I just, you know, yeah, I don't want to be focusing that solely on throughout the whole pregnancy like I exercise a lot and I do eat quite well but like I don't want to be like restricting yeah. myself I was going to ask you you like you work out a lot so yeah like you're you're strong and you're fit like the I hate yeah I hate that I had to do yeah, with my I, I had to do the the GTT twice and they again like the BMI is so outdated so I have my friend who's pregnant with her first she had her first appointment and came away feeling humiliated because they were like same speech like you have to have the test twice you have to go to the the obesity clinic and she like it's purely based on numbers not looking at the person in front of them or or getting their history or anything like that it's just yeah bullshit it is bullshit it is like you know I had a PT and I was I lift a lot of heavy weights. Yeah. It's not like I'm not strong. Yeah. Not fit. It's not it's not actually thinking about the person in front of them or even how those kind of comments or just even attitude towards it can land for someone. Yeah. And especially when you don't want to be so like you're growing a human, so you're going to be gaining weight. That's yes. just part of it. And so you don't want to feel like that's a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. But yeah. So did you, what, what model were you through the public system? Yeah, through the public system. And it was whatever the one is where you have a different midwife each time, yeah. which is not a great model. No, this is fra- fragmented care. <laughs> fragmented care, which, yeah, yeah, yeah wasn't the best. Um, not, not to say like, like some of the midwives were great in my appointments. They were lovely, but yeah, it's just different people so it's you get different advice yep so do you want to take us to Callum's birth uh yeah sure so I guess going off off the back of that the weight stuff I got to think about 37 weight and I I was under the the, whatever the 10 kilo weight thing was which we'll we'll get to in a sec but at about 36 weeks 35 and a half weeks my blood pressure started to go up so they put me on some medication bit of extra monitoring which was fine happy with that and then about a week later, they were like, oh, let's do an ultrasound. Let's just check the growth, you know, because your fundal hasn't really grown and this and that. I'm like, okay. So we did the ultrasound, bit of extra monitoring. They sent me home saying, oh, it could be preeclampsia, but you've got no protein in your urine and your bloods are fine. Okay. Well, what's the markers then? Because yeah. if they're both fine, then yeah, it, surely there's a few different things you might need to tick before you sort of start saying that. Um, but yeah. they called me that night to say, oh, you know, baby's not really growing very well. Yeah, um, they're looking a bit small. Um, you'll need to go to the high-risk hospital tonight to be induced. I'm like, okay. So I messaged my doula who, because it was COVID at this point, we couldn't have with us. Mm. So it was very hard to manage that through text because, you know, we kind of need them there. I think, I can't remember if I actually spoke to her on the phone or not, but yeah, I guess just with COVID and her not being able to be there, like in person was really yeah. hard once um, once we got to the hospital. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, I mean, luckily, luckily, I mean, I was, what was this, 37 weeks exactly. Luckily, I'd had a bag packed because I try and be organised like that. <laughs> Otherwise, I lose my mind. Yeah. Um, even if it's just sitting there in the background. We'd pack the bag. In the car, we went. Then we got to the hospital. They knew I was coming, but they didn't have any of my records, despite it being the same health district. Hmm. Not a good start. They were like, okay, but you can go into this whatever room it was. It's not a birthing suite, but it's still sort of like your own kind of room when you get to the hospital. Yeah. So I was like, okay, yep, cool, be in there. So they hooked me up to the monitors or whatever. Did like the same tests that I'd done earlier that day for protein and the blood tests. Like blood pressure is still a bit high, but that, you know, I wasn't expecting that to go down, especially in the circumstances. Mm-hmm. And I think they tried the, the gel a couple of times and then just sort of left me overnight to see if that worked. Yeah. You know, just coming in, doing in like the checks and stuff like that. And then by the morning, I think they were saying that I hadn't really started style. Like, I mean, I knew I definitely, I know how these things work. You know, I, I knew that my hormones were not playing with this game. Yeah. I wanted it to work so badly. I really did. I'd, I'd done a lot of reading. I knew what I needed to do. I was 
well-versed in like fighting for like, you know, to be able to get in, at least in the water, should I have got to that point? Um, but they came in to sort of say, oh, we think baby's struggling because they're small. Our recommendation would be to do an emergency cesarean, like, so we're going to prep you and down you'll go. So I had to, Clay had gone down to get breakfast. So I had to call him, like, you've got to come back up, like, now because they want this to happen. So he came back up. They got me ready. Off I went down to the down to the surgery rooms. They, yeah, stupid spinal block in, which considering my blood pressure was so high, it then made that plummet. So by, like, the time they're, like, cutting me open and Clay come back in, like, I'm just, like barely with it so then they're having to do whatever drugs they give you to bring it back up so that you can be a bit more coherent <laughs> then yeah then yeah, Callum was born I didn't get to do any sort of skin to skin straight away they wanted to check him over it's like the whole time this was happening I, go, I know he's fine I know he's fine like I just knew yeah he was okay I just I just felt don't want to say it was unnecessary it very well it could have been necessary and he may not have been growing properly because of the blood pressure. But mm. at the same time, I just, you know, wanted to hold him. Yeah. So then I remember, like, they'd taken him over and I'm like, oh, well, what did I have? Like, you know. And so the midwife's like, it's a boy, it's a boy. And I had this really lovely midwife in there who was just so positive and so beautiful. She's just like, yeah, come on. Like, she came. I remember coming to visit me in the days after just mm. to check in to make sure that we were okay. Yeah, we did a little bit of, like, cuddle, like, some family photos in the in the theatre then it was you know time for me to go to recovery and unfortunately at the hospital I'm at and at many hospitals your baby doesn't come with you Mm -hmm. to recovery which you know you're just missing out on those first moments of life and I'm and I'm so glad he got to spend that time with Clay Clay was amazing he got to do all the skin to skin and all those side of things but here I am in recovery by myself yeah just been through this life-changing experience that has not gone the way that I wanted it to at all Mm -hmm. begging the staff to take me back to the postnatal ward so I can be with you know my baby and Clay it took them Clay said I was gone for like almost two hours because they were like oh there's but there's no one to take you back and I was so annoying down there Mm -hmm. like despite me having the shakes I'm like when can I go back I'd keep pushing when can I go back can I go back yeah we've got someone and I think in the end, they like they took me. Whoever was working there, they were like, oh, God, let's get rid of this girl. And that moment of being separated from your baby and just, just you're just lying there and you're like, come on, I can't, like, I would drag myself with my arms if I could. It's, it's yeah. being, being at the mercy of, of other people who were just kind of, it's like their day-to-day job. But for you, your baby was just born. Like, yes, there's a real disconnect there of kind of, I guess, them understanding or remembering even maybe how significant that time is for you, even if it's, you know, so insignificant for them because it's their job. Like I get that. Yeah. To them it's just another clinical procedure, right? Yeah. For you it's an eye. It's this life-changing. It's your first baby, but even if it's not your first baby, you know, it's it's your baby. It's your your love that's grown that baby and you just – you need to be with them. Yeah. So what happened when you and Callum were reunited? How was that? Oh, I, <laughs> I broke down. I was just, yeah. 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 Was, and, and how big was, was he? What relieved, you... but oh, how big was he? He was 2.5 kilos. So yeah. Um, one thing that they had told Clay and not me was, oh, you should prepare for Niku. Like we think he's going to be below whatever their weight thing was. I think it mm-hmm. was, I think, 2.5 or two point something was the cutoff before they have to go to Niku. So we were lucky that he didn't have to. Yeah, he was he was perfect. He had, you know, great APCA score or whatever the yeah, the testing they do yeah. straight after. He yeah, he was he was perfect. Yeah. So how long were you in the hospital and how, what were those first few days like? I was in the hospital all up, I think it was five nights. That second night with Callum was the worst because I was still hooked up to the moon boots. I hadn't mm. taken off even though I'd had I think it was about 11 o'clock I had the cesarean so when Callum was crying overnight and because this was a shared ward Clay couldn't stay so you're sort of at the you know depending how busy the midwives are mm. as to when they can come hand you your baby so that you can you know cuddle and feed and and do all those things because I physically couldn't get out of bed yeah like it would have been okay I think if I if those were off at least I could get up but 
yeah or try to <laughs> I totally I just was had a recovered memory I totally forgot about those <laughs> yeah I definitely had them but I totally like was like that was some sort of bullshit like just all these yeah. things and I remember I had like this like it was like a machine I think in theater yeah, like, like they have it on your arm yeah and I yeah. had all these like bru- bruising from it and oh god it's yeah. just no like no dignity there and you know like it's just I don't know body feels a bit like abused I feel like after that kind of experience so the second night was really difficult how how was that those Um, other days it was yeah I think Clay left probably about nine or ten because he needed to go to Kmart on the way home and actually get clothes small clothes that would fit Callum yeah which was another challenge (laughs) like we like okay we can send your mum to the shops tomorrow but you know you need you need something to wear yeah. in the morning so he went and sort of picked up a couple of things there wasn't much choice but at least he got a couple of things and then yeah once he was gone I felt very alone mm. like you know he Callum's there in the bassinet next to you but you know you can't move to get to him so you just feel so helpless yeah you, know, you try to call for the midwives to come but they're also you know the, the ward's busy so they can't be there at you know straight away I just I, I found it really hard and I just wish that if you've gone through something like that or a cesarean where you physically can't get out of bed then you should be able to have a care person there with you it would mm-hmm. take the load off the midwives as well yeah absolutely so what was your your feeding journey with Callum like I knew I wanted to breastfeed if I had you know the birth that I had wanted taken sort of away from me then there I was going to move Helena to make breastfeeding work so I was you know putting Callum on as much as I could I was pumping hand expressing you know we were feeding him with a little syringe with the colostrum I ended up using nipple shields which I had no issues at whatever got the job done whatever helped Callum get on there Um, we ended up using them I think until just after Christmas I think just was easier with all the Christmas stuff that was going on yeah that yeah. first year that we were just like oh let's just you know it's working so we'll keep going with that until it calms down a bit for the, for the yeah year. but it went well I really loved feeding him I was lucky in that he just gradually weaned himself I know a lot of people struggle because you know they've got to go back to work or for whatever reason you know as he ate more solids he fed less and then yeah. by the time I started work pretty much the week before work we had our last feed Mm-hmm. So that was it was about fourteen months worth of breastfeeding. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, that's a brilliant effort. Fourteen months—that's amazing. He was getting to that point, <laughs> like having to go to a dark room yeah. or like somewhere <laughs> like because you know he was just like, "What? There's a world I need to yeah. go and explore this." Especially when he started moving, like it was, you know, "Bye, mom, off I yeah. go." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, cheeky boys, so cheeky. So do you feel like your birth impacted your immediate postpartum period? Definitely. Absolutely. How was that for you? Oh, it's so hard to, like, you remember it, but you don't because you're in such a sleepy haze. Yeah. You know, there were times where I was so upset about what happened at the hospital and with this birth and I felt ripped off because I I had done the work Mm. to prepare. And you had a doula, like, you know, first time mum's, I mean, I, speaking for myself, I guess, but I didn't, I don't think I even knew what a doula was. Like, how did you yeah. get to that point and find a, find the right person for you and everything? I think just with all the, like, with the lockdowns and everything, and again, going back to, you know, my weight, things like that, I already knew I was up against it in the okay. hospital system. So I just wanted that extra bit of support. Yeah someone else in my corner to help back me up so we got a a student doula who's now fully accredited she's wonderful she lives out down my way in the Sutherland Shire but mm-hmm. yeah she was she's great you know she came over because she was deemed as an essential service so we were like oh someone's actually coming over talk us through some things and then she was yeah. able to come over after the birth so I could go have a lie down by yeah. myself and I remember she was like I'll oh, do some vacuuming and like Bernie hates the vacuum cleaner, so all I can hear is Bernie going nuts, and she's like, "Oh no!" <laughs> and I'm like, "No, no the, the thoughts so appreciated." Yeah, it's nice just just to be like in a dark room by myself for like half an hour. Yeah, <laughs> I was lucky that you know Clay was able to be home with me for at least the first six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was you know. COVID was shit for a whole bunch of things, but at least he had a really good excuse not to be in the office. Yeah. Um, 
and because I couldn't go anywhere we live in a unit and we're up two flights of stairs so you know how was I meant to get up and down the stairs with a baby yeah Yeah. straight after a cesarean like he needed to carry you know Callum and the pram and stuff down yeah um so I was very lucky that he was there and he could go with me to the post um natal checks with with Callum because I was at hospital for for five days I couldn't have at home visits Mm. I I had to go and lucky it's just literally behind our unit block but I had to go to them which was crap yeah considering recovering from major surgery yeah all right so what about when Clay went back to work what happened there I think by that point Callum had had his um, first round of vaccination. So I started to get a bit more comfortable going out. And at least by this point, I could drive. And I started going to to mum's groups. And I think it was like one of my last postnatal appointments. I was like, oh, and how do I get into the mum's group? And they were like, oh, well, you know, you, you should have asked this like at your first appointment. And I'm like, why would I be thinking about that then? But yeah, so they were like, they tried to get me into a, a WhatsApp group and I like join one but because they'd already sort of established themselves I didn't go to that one I ended up finding groups on Facebook yeah uh, in the local area met some some really great people like on this Monday coming we're doing a celebration for the you know for our now two-year-olds yeah at the local park like that that sort of thing I met another group through a similar Facebook group and we're all still quite close and Mm -hmm. doing another celebration for our um, babies Callum's the only boy in that group yeah um <laughs> so he gets to gets to celebrate with his girlfriends <laughs> that's cute <laughs> yeah and are those the people you do the like you know how you post those stories of Callum like sensory play stuff is that I'm not uh, sure what it's called but like the little classes or whatever yeah so we did I did baby sensory so I, I made I try to make sure that I had like you know regular things that would happen on certain days so that yeah I knew I'd be getting out yeah. So yeah, one of those things was baby sensory and that oh, it's such a great class, such yeah. a great class. Like I don't know who enjoyed it more out of Callum and I, <laughs> but it's all full of like bubbles and flashing lights and different like materials and music and, you know, teaching them like movement and things like that. And then they sing this song. So they start the class by singing the song, Say Hello to the Sun, which is like a really beautiful song to play to your to your babies. Um, yeah, that was I did four terms of that. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, it looked amazing. <laughs> I remember being like, "Oh, I should go and do something like that." But with everything that was going on with Hugo, I'm like, "I'm just gonna stay, <laughs> stay home." Yeah. But that yeah, it did look amazing. So that was good that you had the kind of idea in place that like, you did need to do certain things, and because you were a social person, you kind of needed to meet that need still. Yeah, it's a funny one, the social thing for me because I do like to socialize, but I also can be very awkward and get a bit like. <laughs> anxious when the crowd is too big yeah but like I do better when it's like a smaller group but like or it's not you know competing over people to like try and like talk but yeah um (laughs) so sometimes at mum's group I was like oh my gosh there's so many so many women here yeah (laughs) it's great but at the same time a bit overwhelming yeah yes can be a bit overwhelming yeah I think that's so good that you were able to find those those mum groups for yourself especially as a first time mum I know my experience would have been, I mean, it was, I was born in the, towards the end of 2019 and then, you know, 2020 happened. So I don't know that the opportunities would have been there, but I think it would have made a huge difference because I didn't, <laughs> I just didn't do anything or go anywhere yeah. and I had no friends who had babies and it's very isolating. So did you have any kind of friends like that you went to high school with or outside of that, that had babies that you'd like, you'd known them for a while? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a lot of friends from back out west have had kids, but I live in the Shire, they live in the west, so it does make catching up difficult at times. Yeah. But they, like one friend in particular, Michelle, she's she's been an absolute rock. I I don't know how I would have survived a lot of things without being able to just have that relationship with her and being able to text her and the same thing with her back to me. She's got two kids now, so she had one when Callum was born and then her son six months younger than Callum. It's nice to have them been on those similar trajectories. And how have you changed since becoming a mother? Probably more of a homebody now. 
guess I do like to go out, but I definitely love to to come home. In some ways, I'm maybe more patient, but I guess it depends on how overwhelmed and how overstimulated I am. But I think I would apologize more for bad behavior now. I think that's something that's definitely changed. So if I do overreact to a situation, I'm quick to go, I'm really sorry. And even when Callum was a baby, if I'd go, ah, you know, I'd, I'd apologize almost instantly to go, oh my gosh, no, that's not okay. I'm really sorry. Mummy yeah. was feeling this way. So I'm trying to like, you know, teach him. It's okay to, you know, have big um, feelings, but yeah. you know, sometimes you don't, you may not act appropriately to someone else with those big feelings and it's important to apologize. So I'm trying to walk that walk now. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is hard, the emotional regulation when your child is not regulated and you are getting overstimulated. I'm not regulated. You have to be like, <laughs> try to calm trying down. to parent myself help. and you. Yeah, absolutely. It's a big challenge, yeah. Uh, speaking of challenges, what has been one of the most challenging parts of your motherhood journey? Regulating my emotions. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Definitely trying to, you know, at times stay calm, especially when you're so tired. There was a point with Callum when oh, we got to six months and his sleep was okay. It was pretty good. Then he got somehow picked up like a gastro bug. We ended up just in hospital a couple of times, like not having to do any major stays, but it really threw his sleep because not long after that, he picked up a cold, of course, you know, being in the hospital and then just sleep went awful. It was awful. You know, he wouldn't nap properly. He wouldn't sleep through the night. Mm. All he wanted, and he'd lost so much weight from being ill that all he wanted to do was feed. It was like having a newborn again for a little, for quite a few weeks. Yeah. Cause he was just trying to, you know, put that weight back on. And then I was still trying to get out the house. So I at least had somewhere to go. I wasn't just sort of sitting at home, tearing mm. my hair out. So then we started on car naps. So at this point, I think he was on two naps and both of those naps had to be in the car because <laughs> yeah. I was already so sleep tonight. I, I don't know how I managed to not crash the car yeah. on many occasions. But yeah, it would be doing two car naps a day. So I'd have like my set route in the morning. It would be like down around this way. And in the afternoon, I'd drive down to Wollongong and back. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes further, depending on how long he needed to sleep for. Did you listen to music or podcasts or what did you do on the drive for yourself? Usually I would get a McDonald's coffee or if I'd been out somewhere, I'd get like you know, coffee, maybe a snack and yeah, music. Yeah. Music. Because at this point, I, I just wasn't in the headspace to listen to podcasts and stuff yeah. like that. I just... Yeah. So backtracking a little bit, what is your relationship with your body like now? Yes, it's it's an up and down one. You know, there's times where I'm so proud of myself for being able to grow a human, mm. for being able to recover from a cesarean birth or, you know, going back to the gym. And I think even I was saying this at the gym the other day, like, since I've been back this year, I've like done so many PBs for weightlifting and that's something I'm really proud of and my body been able to do. But there's times where I'm like, oh, but you've, you know, you're so much bigger than what you used to be. So it's that constant pull between the two things. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I totally yeah. understand. I don't have the strength thing. I need to definitely need to like, even just I think for my mental health, just like and yeah. also my physical health, do some sort of exercise. But that pull absolutely because I love being pregnant I love like because most of my life I've spent trying to hide my stomach and so when I'm pregnant I can just show yeah. it off you know yeah and so I really I really I like that. that and I think it's the most incredible thing to be able to grow a human like I'm just like in awe of women all the time but then I catch myself having these like negative thoughts and then being like oh like oh it's just that voice, I think it's like <laughs> somehow every it's just episode. It's so drilled into our generation, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, bloody hell, we grew up with friggin' next top model and <laughs> them being yeah. like saying really tiny people were plus size. And like Kate Winslet is apparently plus size and friggin' Bridget Jones' diary, whatever. Like, ugh, the things we grew up with, ridiculous. And just hammered into your eyes. Yeah. So it's like a. It's your voice, but it's a voice that's been trained by society. So you have to really like untrain yourself and it's really hard. And so I try to like really think being like, okay, what if my children heard me say this? Like I, I just think I have negative thoughts. I yes. don't say anything out loud, but I'm like, what if they heard me say this 
what I want them saying it to themselves, what I want them hearing that. And so it's just that pull that I feel like that word is really apt. It's just yeah. really easy pull. And yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because I do remember hearing things growing up like, oh, a moment on the lips, a lifetime on the hips. Like it oh, sticks with you. Yes. Oh my God. It sticks with you. Like <laughs> it does. Oh. Ridiculous. So like, yeah, like I used to exercise and properly control my food and things like that. And I hit it quite well to most people, you know, and the smallest I ever was, I still wasn't it, like a healthy BMI mm. or I was like borderline, you know, it was yeah. still like like and this is me being you know completely unhealthy about it yeah and then like then I, I did have therapy I got I did get better with it so now I access my mental health and yeah then, like it's just it just helps me so much like it's and if I don't want to go I, I I don't but yeah I definitely notice a difference notice a difference if I don't do regular exercise so I find it helpful in that regard but it's it's just I think it's all about finding something that you enjoy and moving your body in a way that you like mm-hmm. so like for example running I don't like running I'm not gonna run like yeah. I don't enjoy it <laughs> yeah but I'll do like a I'll do like a little hit class or something like that you know especially if there's things like med ball slams because you get a bit of frustration and stuff <laughs> like that out but it's, yeah yeah well speaking of regulation I like emotional regulation I talked to um that I think was my first mental health mini episode that I did and she said that when you have anger or frustration or whatever, then like somatic release, so like that kind of thing exactly. She mentioned yeah. like throwing a medicine ball on the ground or whatever. She mentioned that it can really help with releasing that frustration. I'm like, okay, so that's where I've been going wrong because I try to deal with it like mentally. You know, I think it's a mental thing, so I have to do it mentally rather than dealing with it physically. And I think it makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. You yeah, know? I think yeah. it's two pronged. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Another question is, what is something you do for yourself? Is that an answer to that, the exercise? Yeah, definitely. Something I do for myself is yeah, going to the gym. I, I get up very early to go, so I do like a 5 a.m. class. And I used to do, you know, do my own thing at the gym, but having a class at the moment just helps. You know, someone else is just some, saying we're doing these exercises. With them. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. I don't have to think I just do. And I think for me also, I love makeup, so I like, you know, having the time to get ready so clay will help you know if we're going out somewhere clay will make sure that i've got the time to to get ready you know do a bit of glam yeah that's side of things i you know love to like wash and blow dry my hair so when my hair's blow dried i sort of feel a bit more put together even if i'm not looking put together it'll just help make me feel not like a bit nicer yeah like there's just little things like that those are the things that i like to do for myself yeah and what do you do for work uh, so I work for a larger bank in Australia. So I've been there for, oh gosh, how long have I been there for? I think it's 16 years in February, a long yeah. time. So just, yeah, working in um, a payments division at the moment, doing some things like international payments and how the bank does sort of the due diligence and other banks and things like that, providing mm-hmm. tools that help other areas conduct those tasks. And has motherhood affected your work persona? I think so. You know, I think I probably wouldn't catastrophize the things like I'm not used to. I think for me, work's not the be all and end all and yeah. you only get one life. So when my dad retired, the same year he retired, he got diagnosed with terminal cancer. Mm. So he ended up having a year to live and he only got to have, you know, that one year of retirement and time with his family. Whereas for me, I'm just like, well, I don't want my life just to be work. I need that balance. It's great that it provides a bit of fulfillment, something for me to do. It helps pay the bills, but it supports me living with my family. And it shouldn't be the other way around. You only get one life and that should be spent with the people that you love. Yeah, absolutely. And how has becoming parents changed your relationship with Clay? I think we're getting better at like sort of communicating what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's not always perfect, but it's definitely brought us closer together, I feel. I have so much love, respect and admiration for him. He's like, he's a lot more selfless than I am. He, you know, he'll just give and give and give. And I try and say, no, you take time, take time for you. And I mean, he does, he plays soccer in like winter, but he's such a hands-on parent with Callum. Like he will do nearly every bedtime, every bath time, get him up in the morning, those sort of things. Like he's so helpful. And I know like a lot of women don't have partners like that. And I, I do yeah. feel incredibly lucky that he just does it. I've got the words, but I find it so hard to explain just how appreciative I am of him. Like I just, it doesn't feel enough. 
feel yeah. like it's like enough words to like he's so supportive of me that's so beautiful and to think yeah. it's all thanks to purple sneakers <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank you purple sneakers yeah. <laughs> thank you, purple sneakers and me crawling under bar tables to talk to him yeah <laughs> <laughs> now you have to tell that story what was that story Amy? <laughs> Oh, when I met him, like we were sitting across the booth from each other and I'm, you know, it's loud or whatever. I wanted to be closer to him. Really, I just wanted to make out with him. So I crawled under the table so I could do that. That's amazing. I love that. Uh, so what is the story when, when Callum asked how his mum and dad met? What's, what's the story? How are you going to say that? Probably like that. Yeah, amazing. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Uh, so what has been one of the most rewarding parts of your motherhood journey? Watching Callum grow, like it's so amazing watching them grow from this tiny little baby to like now he's a two-year-old and he can communicate with us and tell us what he wants. Yeah. Even though sometimes it's not what he should be doing. But, you know, <laughs> it's so yeah. amazing to watch this, this little human that you've created like grow and then start to explore the world around them like whether it's you know starting to give them food or they're starting to crawl and they can and then they start to pull themselves up and they can walk around and then they can you know all of a sudden they're talking to you and they're like just like this just little cuddly little best friend that you've got like the, yeah it's fun it's fun yeah. at times it's, it's really really hard at times but it's really fun as well you know, you get all the just you waits, but it's just you wait for this bad thing to happen. Just you wait till they're two and they're telling you no, but you're like, but you know, they can communicate their need now. So it's not a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's just, I feel like if we're going to be honest about the hard bits, we need to be honest about the beautiful bits as well and make sure yeah. that like first time mums are hearing that too. What are the glimmers as well? Yeah, absolutely. Because they both exist. Like, and you can have one within, 10 minutes of the other <laughs> yeah you know like it's or even 10 seconds really like you they can like the amount of times that Milo has said <laughs> was it last night I said um okay bathy bedtime now and he said uh sorry I need to play more <laughs> just like <laughs> you know so he's saying no to me but at the same time he's being this hilarious little kid like um a little bit of not, sass not convenient for me right <laughs> no not right now I have to like look away and be like I'm not gonna laugh <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the worst with that like you know you'll say or do a reaction where I shouldn't laugh but I do and I'm like oh. yeah because <laughs> they're such it. hilarious little people and also the look they get on their face when they realize that they've made you laugh and so they want to do it again like it's yeah it's just beautiful <laughs> so what's Helen's personality like oh he's very cheeky <laughs> yeah <laughs> very cheeky very determined but also very loving yeah that's lovely what has surprised you most about motherhood endless love just yeah that infinite love that you have for your child and just I just think like that strengthening me to keep carrying on as you do mm -hmm. no matter what life throws at you if you could visit yourself before you became a mother what advice would you give her it's hard to say it's not to say oh it'll all be okay because it may not be but you will be okay you'll get through it, you'll find a way, you'll grow. So are there any kind of specific moments you're thinking of? Like I, I wanted to ask like when you we would message your friend who has the baby that's similar age to Callum and you said she's been a real rock. Is there anything specifically that you kind of think of like, man, that was really tough? Uh, yeah, I guess like with the, the sleep stuff last year and then this year with the, the first year of daycare, just with all the sicknesses that we got over the winter, it was so hard, but, you know, you know, yeah. You've got your friend that's in the same boat yeah. as you telling you it gets better. Yeah, Hugo, first aid. I mean, Milo's been in daycare all year, and so we've definitely had one illness after another. I'm like, are we going to get like yep. double now? Because when I dropped Hugo off, there's all these like snotty nosed toddlers walking around. I'm like, oh no, we're going to have double the illnesses. Double the illnesses, like uh, a little bit of snotty nose. Now I'm just like, I think when he was a baby, it would have really freaked me out. Yeah. Especially him being like my first. But now I'm just like, oh, snotty nose, not so bad. Yeah. Like you sort of, I guess, yeah, you would like Milo's or you like learn to know what to look for. Yeah. If they become really unwell. So I guess for that, it gets a, it gets a little bit easier. I think that has helped with Callum going to daycare, like that side of things, like with illnesses mm -hmm. and a little bit of anxiety around that. Like, yeah. like in the first month we had hand, foot and mouth and I'm just like, oh, oh my gosh. 
<laughs> Thankfully, yeah. it wasn't bad at all. But like, and I've had, you know, kids in that like group that have had it awful. Like, but you're just like, oh, <laughs> yeah. And like getting the emails saying like, oh, by the way, we've got this going around the center. I'm like, yeah. cool. I still need to send them. <laughs> just yeah. Hope that that yeah. We've had one case of vomiting today. Uh. <laughs> yeah, and then several hours later, three cases. It's just like, all right, please don't come home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we hear it's good for their immune system. And <laughs> Oh, I, he, thri- he thrives. Callum absolutely thrives. I think it has, I felt so awful going back to work. Mm. It's so guilty that I was leaving Callum. Yeah, it's something I have to do. You know, like it's so expensive to live at the moment. Like it's, I yeah. didn't have a choice, but it just felt so awful. But he strived. He's really thrived. He like yeah. he loves it. He had so much fun going there. Yeah, he goes to two different centers at the moment. But he just yeah, he absolutely loves it. It's a ball. He's like running around, jumping everywhere. He gets to play with all these fun toys, do all this craft stuff. He gets to yeah. play with his friends. Like yeah, it's I think it's great. Yeah. Are there any influential texts like other podcast books, programs, or social media accounts that you would recommend to our listeners? I tend to just use social media for dumb memes and dumb reels. <laughs> yeah. As an outlet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there are some really helpful um, pages I do follow, like Tiny Hearts, um, yeah. Sick Happens. Yeah, like there was a few like different birth ones. So like birth with Beth, Australian birth stories. When yeah. I was pregnant, I really, really enjoyed that. Sure that I will definitely, I've got to start listening to your feedback one once. <laughs> I think, you know, I was just holding the trigger on that one until yeah. we are pregnant with second. But yeah, definitely social content like that. I, I really enjoy. Yeah. I definitely had to um take myself sort of out of a few of the birth ones. Like when just after the cesarean, but like now I'm like, oh, I think I'm ready to like hop back yeah. in. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad I got a chance to talk, talk to you. I don't think I've ever spoken to you in person, like in person or like out loud. It's just probably me, not. No, me being just a bit of a weirdo, being like, I'm pregnant too. <laughs> uh, I love yeah. it. I was like, oh, and then yeah, I think we we're both like, oh, when are you due? And you're like, yeah, November. I'm like, oh, me too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I am sorry that that was your first experience of birth because it really it's like hard on top of hard because you know I and we think even if you have a an easy quote-unquote easy baby who sleeps really well whatever newborn phase is always always yeah and so then to enter it when you kind of you've had expectations dashed whatever the word is yeah you know you're recovering physically and then having to catch up mentally it's just and then you pop in comments like well that's why you don't do a birth plan and you're like, oh, that's not helpful right now. Yeah, no. That is not helpful. That is not what I need to hear right now. No, not at all. And and like comments like, well, at least your baby's healthy and you're healthy. Yeah, it's that's like, the one I get all the time. Yeah. There's more to yeah. it than that. There's way more. Yeah. But I really love talking to you and I really love, I love these interviews. It's just, it's doing exactly what I wanted to do yeah. for me. But I hope that, like, I hope you don't feel like, I strong-armed you into it. like. I... <laughs> oh, definitely not. No, like it's like my first podcast that I've been on, which is really exciting for me. Yeah. But I love talking like birth, motherhood, those sort of things. So it's really great to be able to be invited into such a space where I can talk about these things and, you know, share stories, you know, I guess of the everyday mum life. <laughs> yeah, because it's so, and that's the thing is, no, none of the stories have been the same. Like none of the, like there's yeah. similarities, of course. Like there's, similar feelings like people are saying that they felt isolated or they really needed community or birth was challenging or breastfeeding or, or whatever but it's I think that's the strength of it is that there is that kind of universal truth to motherhood but then there's also just that who they are as a person coming into play with it and yeah. hearing about their identity and everything like that it's just it's exciting yeah every time it is I I really enjoy it and I really appreciate you like trusting me with your stories and I think I need to like, because I ask everyone about their birth stories and I probably need to keep yeah. a bit more warning, <laughs> need to update my my PDF. <laughs> but thank you for sharing that with me. I know it can re- like bring up some tricky feelings. Yeah. Absolutely. We're getting there though. We'll, we'll move, move past and use it as a force to get my pee back. 
Yeah, that's right. And if you ever want to talk about that, then you know I would absolutely oh, love to. absolutely. <laughs> you will be on my list. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> probably as soon as I find out, I'll be like, hey, I have to plan this. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I recently bought, um, was it Sarah Wickham's book? The, I forget the name of it, but it's about like how basically how like BMI and high weight yeah. and birth is like bullshit, like that one. So I've re- yeah. I haven't read it yet. I've forgotten the name too. Read. But I was actually, I was actually going to recommend that to you. I'm glad you brought it up because I was like, oh, I need to talk about that. But I totally forgot the name of it. Yeah, um, yeah, she's amazing. And then there's the Hazel Keedle Birth After Cesarean. There's that book as yes, well. Yes, I've got that. Yeah. I've got to buy that one. Yeah, so I'll I'll have a couple of resources, like extra resources, under my when, belt because I think the one thing that I found that a lot of the content, like the learning content that you go through, both at a hospital and like privately leading up to birth, it doesn't really cover what happens when things go wrong, when mm-hmm. you have to go into an emergency area, like what actually happens. So you just yeah. you come out of it so blindsided mm-hmm. and unprepared. Yeah, and I just wish that all this the education you get like would delve into that a bit more because it's so like oh well we don't want to say too much because we don't want to scare but like at the same time you're just causing more tra- trauma yeah. by like not providing that information. Yeah, absolutely. And you try and ask the question like I remember doing the thing over Zoom for whatever the birth class was, which was a hindrance anyway to do it over Zoom because you mm. you don't get that like rapport and you, it was really hard to ask those questions. But like you, you really don't get like the answers that you're seeking. And both Clay and I walked away from that going, yeah, but what if something goes wrong? Mm-hmm. What yeah. happens? But that's yeah. just might be my brain that needs to know the full picture no, circle I, end-to-end process yeah no you're absolutely right I'm I think I'm the same but I definitely went into my first birth I knew I didn't want a cesarean so I just I just shut myself off to it I'm like that's not gonna yeah. happen and so I wasn't yeah wasn't at all prepared for anything that was involved so I think that's totally a valid point okay I'll let you go Amy but thank you <laughs> thank you so much for talking with me and sharing everything that you had I really enjoyed it me too thank you so much You've been listening to The Mother Whelm, where we celebrate honest, unfiltered stories of motherhood. If you would like to be interviewed for The Mother Whelm, please send an email to themotherwhelm at gmail.com or send a direct message to me on Instagram under the handle at the.motherwhelm. If today's episode resonated with you, I would love for you to join our community on Instagram. This is where you can find updates and behind-the-scenes content and share your own unique journey using the hashtag MotherWellMoments. To keep these powerful conversations going, please rate, review and subscribe wherever you find podcasts. And don't forget to share the show with fellow mums who might find solace, laughter or inspiration in these stories. Until next time, you'll be listening to the Mother Whelm. Perfect. Beautiful job. Thank you, my darling. <laughs>